Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future Interview podcast. I'm Barrett Anderson, the COO of Future Interview. So for those of you who've never heard of Future Interview before, we run the annual FIRE conference, which is coming up November 6th through 9th, 2023, in Rancho Palos Verdes, California, at the Terranea Resort. Um, the Economist has called FIRE the best technology conference in the world. And when we're not organizing that, the other arm of our business, Strategic News Service, provides its subscribers with the most accurate source of information about the future of technology and the global economy. So if you enjoy these video updates that we do, uh, we hope that you will sign up for a trial of the Strategic News Service Global Report at the link below this video. And today I am back talking with Evan Anderson, who is the CEO of Invent IP. He is an analyst for the Strategic News Service Global Report, and he has written this week about chips. Uh, his piece is called Chips Ahoy, which um, as anyone else who appreciated the chocolate chip cookies as a child will appreciate. Um, and we are talking today a little bit more about that piece. So Evan, in your most recent report, you talk about the shift towards building big new fabs in the U.S. for silicon. Why is that happening? Who's doing it? And will it work? Clearly, there's yeah. a chip shortage, I should say. We should preface all of this by saying the reason we're talking about this is that there's a massive shortage of chips in the world. Um, well, there's there's a couple aspects to the to the piece this, this time around this week. Um, obviously, we cover chips uh, as much as we think is reasonable because they are absolutely critical to the global economy. So I talked about that a fair amount this week. And the reason that um, we're seeing so much reshoring, particularly into the United States of fabs, um, that has been covered, I think, very well in the news cycle. Mm -hmm. um, as everybody realized during the pandemic, uh, in part because of all those really bad supply chain issues and deep shortages, um, all of our chips are essentially coming from one place, and that's Taiwan. So TSMC, um, is the absolute gold standard. Uh, I talked a little bit about it in the piece, but uh, we actually had an earlier piece about TSMC and ASML, which makes the uh, actual high-tech equipment that helps to cut wafers. Um, both of those companies pretty much own that world. Uh, I don't think that's changing anytime soon. Uh, and then of course, the reason that uh, TSMC has agreed to move some production into the United States has got a lot more to do with national security and supply chain security. Uh, yeah, particularly given the kind of increased brinksmanship by the uh, PRC about whether they will do something to Taiwan. Um, so what's interesting is that that's all uh, kind of happening, cranking along as, as one might expect, given the current you know, political atmosphere and given that the U.S. is putting money into helping build new fabs and has a strong interest in building new fabs. What's interesting is that those new fabs are in Arizona. And so TSMC, there was a piece out in the New York Times um, this week or a week ago perhaps that was talking about how there's a fair amount of consternation I think inside TMC staff about doing that. Um, that makes sense because okay. I think they're encountering a, a number of different issues, right? So it's difficult. Are the, issue, are the issues related to Arizona or is it related to the US? I think they're both. So um, I would guess without knowing enough about, you know, specific issues inside, they've just raised their investment amount from 12 billion to 40. Um, and that's, that's impressive. That's but an I increase. Think, yeah. I think it's also a response to the fact that everything and the, actually the New York times piece, we could post a link to it. It was good. Um, every, it seems like everything is more expensive than perhaps they had planned. And that does not surprise me too much. The, um, 
the you know the regulatory environment in the U.S. is very different. So it's going to be everything takes longer, permits take longer, um, et cetera, et cetera. What's interesting to me is that Arizona was chosen over another place, and we can get more into this later. But Intel, well, Ohio also has, has also been a you know a lot of the Midwest has been kind of a target for this kind of thing for Intel, for example, right? There was mm -hmm. a major you know, the CHIPS Act had a, had a major kind of earmark for Intel in there to start building. Yeah, so Intel there. also has a campus in Arizona and they're expanding capacity there as well. Um, the reason that that's interesting compared to a place like Ohio, um, and actually Google has a new project we can touch on later that's in Minnesota. Um, and that makes a little bit more sense too, because these things take a lot of water, right? So um, that's a big issue in a Southwest state it doesn't have any. Uh, that is currently encountering serious problems with their water supply. One interesting aspect of that is, and I am no expert, um, so I will not get too deep into it or say a bunch of things I don't understand, but my basic understanding of Arizona's water is that uh, part of the reason that there are issues with the supply from the Colorado is, in fact, that there are not too many restrictions on how much water you can use and when. But... That has been the case. In what state? In Arizona? Yeah, in up Colorado? to now. I think that has been the case up to now. What happens next is likely to be very different, right? Um, because the, the level of the Colorado has gotten to a dangerous low, and there are now open discussions in Arizona about what to do about that. Um, from what I've seen, it sounds like there's a lot of argument, not a lot of agreement. Mm -hmm. um, and that also makes sense because no one has, you know. Shocker incentive to usually humans are so good at figuring things out collaboratively yeah so um that i think is going to be a really interesting factor moving forward i think if we're building out massive fab capacity in arizona and the water is low uh that could be a, a big stick in the mud for our capability to produce silicon again back in u.s territory so let's talk about you know you mentioned tsmc we talked a little bit about intel briefly um but you also wrote about some of these larger U.S. companies that are getting into chips, Apple, Google, and Microsoft, namely. What are those companies doing and how are their strategies different from like a TSMC or an Intel? Yeah, and their categories are, are different as well. So there's a very interesting dynamic emerging here, which is going to be really, really relevant for both, you know, the success of those companies, um, and we'll get into which companies I'm referring to in a second, but also for um, stock prices, et cetera. And that is, there is a kind of an emerging thing going on where big US tech companies are realizing that perhaps they don't need someone else to make their chips. Now, TSMC and companies- now, like which, kinds of, let, which kinds of chips are they? Are we talking about here? Yeah, I'll go, I'll go bit by bit because it, it depends on which you know, company you're talking about. But TSMC and ASML, companies like that, they're providing precursors to chips. They're providing the stuff you need to make the chips. Companies like Intel, companies like Broadcom and Qualcomm for a long time have taken those things, those precursors, you know, they manufacture the silicon, but then they actually make the chipsets that go into devices. Mm -hmm. um, that's a really, really big business. That's a, you know, multi-billion dollar business um, for a number of different companies. And what we're seeing now is that big tech companies that used to buy those chipsets and put them into a phone and sell them along have apparently come to the conclusion that they actually can probably do that themselves. In fact, it's 
as many people probably are aware, it's actually more than that. Apple's already doing it. So we'll start with Apple. Apple created their M1 chip set mm -hmm. um, and, and that replaced Qualcomm and Broadcom tech, but they're also doing it for all their different devices. So from you know desktops to laptops to pads, they're creating all of their own chipsets um, for a number of different categories of things. That's a big deal if you're Broadcom or Qualcomm, like they, I think it was the Snapdragon chipset that they were using for iPhones. That's a huge market and Apple's already well along the way. So they're actually leading as far as um, I can see by far over any other company. And that kind of makes sense. People talk about Tim Cook and his you know, extreme strength being uh, supply chains. So um, that's one way to simplify your supply chain and save a lot of money. And in fact, it does right. appear that they are saving a lot of money. Um, it even appears that they've been able to avoid hiking prices on their devices at times because they're making their own and they've kind of cut out the middleman there. So the middleman um, so in this case being like a Qualcomm, would it would Intel fit into that category as well? Yeah, although Apple was, I think, particularly reliant on Qualcomm. Okay. Um, but Intel also was supplying a large number of chipsets for Google. So let's move to Google now. Google is um, doing a similar but different thing. And their whole move appears to be an open source kind of move, which is very different um, in terms of the potential uh, ramifications for revenue. And I thought it was interesting that they would be so focused on open source um, instead of trying to create kind of a walled garden of their own you know, chipset IP that they could then sell on. And then I realized that it made a little bit more sense when you look at it from the perspective of Google being a very platform type company. Right, that's, and like, so they're that's what I was thinking at, is if you, can, if you can bring in enough developers to help your chip evolve over time. Yeah, so they have a whole new open source program and they're gonna do chips on demand is, is essentially the thing, right? So you can come in with your own design or you can use one of these open source designs for all sorts of different applications. And they're actually partnering with a number of different um, companies, including, so there's a, a new program, a Google funded program in Minnesota to produce 200 nanometer um, wafers. And that's, you know, they're gonna be focused on all sorts of different things. They're very clearly targeting the market for AI and for quantum. So that's interesting, right? Interesting play. Um, and then they've got a number of other partners that are apparently part of their open source programs that you can come in with a design or use someone else's design and then have a chip on order for a specific purpose. So Not doing... too dissimilar for, from the way that they, that they rolled out Gmail, right? <laughs> like your email is free, but we're gonna read all of your Exactly, they're, yeah, they're a platform. <laughs> They're a platform company. So they want to be the library of chip designs and then they get a, you know, a piece of that market by essentially providing you with those designs and then doing chips on demand for specific purposes, um, which is also very interesting. Also still cuts out Intel, Qualcomm, Broadcom. Mm -hmm. um, so these companies are taking big hits here, right? Um, and, and Google has their pixels coming out without um, you know, these Wi-Fi and uh, other chipsets that were being used uh, that were from Intel and from Broadcom and Qualcomm. So that's going to be a big deal for those companies. Um, and then let's do one more. So Microsoft, let's say Google is following Apple, but doing, doing their kind of version of it. Um, and they're actually only just starting to, to kind of replace the middlemen here um, about a year behind Apple. Okay. Apple started this process two years ago and is now deep into the you know, newest versions of their M2. So they're really just iterating now on their own designs. Um, and by the way, a lot of these are done in concert with ARM. So that's gonna be um, a big boon to them. So you, right. you know, get rid of the old companies, 
work with ARM, make your own chips. Um, Microsoft is doing something different and it's just starting. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, but they just recently acquired a company that's focused on um, DPUs, data processing units. And so that was a small company. It's not, you know, I think it was called fungibility, but um, it's not like that's going to be a really big deal in the next six months, but it appears that their play is more on data storage and it makes sense when you think about Azure, right? So if they're trying to do a big play in cloud storage, then they're looking and the, and they're looking for a niche in what kind of chipsets they want to make, then they're focused on data storage. So everybody's kind of, you know, that's a lot of big companies moving away from being customers yeah. of these other really big companies. This is like a pretty big tectonic plate shift in the entire chip mark, chipset market. Um, and and just to circle back briefly, like Apple is going to, as, as Tim Cook just gave a speech, they're going to be sourcing some of this stuff out of Arizona, right? Um, so there's just a lot going on here. Um, in terms of the broader effects, what we're seeing is that it's going to be a really, really tough time for companies like Broadcom, Qualcomm, and Intel. Um, right. Intel actually, as you mentioned, is clearly already starting to kind of respond to that. And they've got some plans. We won't get into it now, but um, that's a big deal that these are, you know, billions and billions in revenues that we're talking about. Um, either they're going to the companies that we're having to spend them now and they get to keep that money um, or they're going to be, you know, shifted around. So like, you know, if I'm Apple, then I'm, I'm getting, you know, a huge amount of revenue um, that I'm retaining that I used to have to spend on, uh, you know, costs, inputs to production essentially for my devices. If I'm Google, I'm trying to get a cut and I'm splitting it with a couple other companies that I'm working with to do this kind of chip on demand thing. Um, yeah, so I would, I would imagine that it, like in the short term, in the near term, it, there's like a, a much higher uh, cost of investment needed to start these things up. Sure. Yeah. But that over time that starts to play out and, and reduce costs. Yeah, exactly. So I guess the way to look at it would be, I mean, and Apple's already kind of through this. And so they're already seeing the benefits. So you would, you would imagine. As that long as the good. Colorado, Colorado River doesn't dry up. Yeah, if, if the Phoenix thing does not work out, then that could be a big problem if they're planning on sourcing from there. Although that's a different problem because they may just have to not source from Arizona if you can't make chips in Arizona, right? Um, if you can't make wafers in Arizona. But the, the underlying point here is that these companies, as they succeed or don't succeed at these things, um, will either be even bigger than ever before and in a big way right? They'll make a lot more money. And these are companies that are already making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Or if it fails, then it will have been a very expensive failure. Um, so so that's of, of the, of I'm curious, of, you know, we talked about the, the risk to, to Qualcomm and Broadcom and, and Intel. Um, I'm sure their, their CEOs are, are spending a lot of time thinking about those things now. It sounds like ARM is in a good position overall yeah. to benefit from this development. Um, can you tell me a little bit more, if you had to pick like the most likely victor from among those top three companies you just mentioned, Microsoft, Google, ARM, at this early juncture. You mean Microsoft, Google, and Apple? Yeah, because yeah, ARM sorry. Is, I said ARM, yeah. but I meant Apple. ARM wins because they're in the supply chain. So, right. Right. Got it. And, and newly in the supply chain. Right. And who are the other, who are the other winners? Um, TSMC and ASML keep winning. Okay. Um, and then TSMC's major problem is whether they end up spending far too much money in Arizona and then struggle to actually get production up. Um, so that's a different question. 
Um, I would say right now, Microsoft is starting to play with the idea of, of jumping into GPUs, right? That wasn't a huge acquisition. Um, so I would just say it's more temporal. Apple's well into this and mm -hmm. it seems to be working. And it's a very, it's their own version. And there's version the, whole, the whole concept of, of early mover advantage, right? Like, yes. I think they're already experiencing early mover advantage. And so right. I think that would, you know, be very positive for their valuation, even now. Um, if you're if you're ignoring the fact that they've just moved to make, you know, cutting out a huge amount of expense, having their own chips that they can then sell around the world if they so choose, that's a pretty big deal. And that is a, a supply chain coup. Um, as On the other hand, just, just to balance this this list of winners and losers out, as we mentioned in, in a previous uh, podcast conversation, much of their supply chain is still based in China. So that could be a major yeah, they have other business concerns going on, right? They're, yeah. they're not um, only doing this. They, they're a large company with a lot of different things going on. And so they, they have could affect manufacturing their... interests in China. Right. You have to parse, um, although I think they're working on that as far as I can tell. Um, and then, you know, Google's just an interesting story. So they've got a completely different option, essentially. And if they become the go-to platform with a couple key partners um, for making all sorts of different kinds of chips, that could be a big win. So I think the real thing to track there is, is it working? It's, it's not that, um, you know, it's, it's going to work or not based on anything aside from actual performance of the program. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so the real question is, can you move quickly into that business and can you deliver products on time that people like and, and work for other companies? And in that case, you might be in a pretty interesting position if you're Google after a couple of years of this. Um, so the idea right. that, the idea that there would be a platform that I can go to even as a mid-sized company, for instance, and say, I want this kind of thing for my new AI solution. And I need it to be very specific. And I also like that someone designed this other design. It's easy to see how that could be extremely lucrative, right? It's not a bad idea. It's a good idea. Um, and the question will be, I think, all about execution. Well, those, those are three interesting, very interesting uh, programs to watch. I'm sure we will be covering them more in the future. Um, but in the meantime, uh, if you want to read more about uh, Apple, Google, Microsoft, their chip strategies, and what else is going on in the world of chips, you can subscribe to the Strategic News Service using the link below this video. Thanks so much, Evan. Thank you.